0: Three, two, one, iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. This podcast is part of our mini-series on relaunching in the trades, which began with our conversation with Judeline Cassidy, my Lean In Leader's colleague who founded Tools and Tiaras to teach girls and women about the trades, and who relaunched as a plumber in the United States. Today, I'm thrilled to be speaking with two Canadian women in the trades, Shannon Tomasco and Darcy Spiteri, who are both electrical apprentices with the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, or IBEW, Local 105, located in Hamilton, Ontario. Shannon made a career transition from short-term lending to become an electrical apprentice, and she's also an ambassador for Kick-Ass Careers, a Canadian organization promoting the trades to young people as a career choice. Darcy is a relauncher who originally was a project manager in marketing. After a three-year career break, she received a second career grant from the Canadian government, which funded her electrical apprentice training. Today, we will talk about Darcy and Shannon's path to becoming electricians and get into detail about what they do and how they are progressing. They are friends and colleagues, and I'm thrilled to be interviewing them together for today's podcast. Darcy and Shannon, welcome to 321i Relaunch.
1: Thank you so much for having me here
2: today. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you for having us.
0: Well, I'm so happy to be talking to both of you at the same time and getting these two different perspectives. Shannon, can you start by telling us how you two met each other? So Darcy and I met at an event that was held at our local hall.
1: There was a announcement that was going to be made by Premier Doug Ford uh, regarding um, investing money into the skilled trades to try to get more people in it, specifically women. And so, because I think they were, you know, wanting to get women, they wanted to have a rep- you know some women to rep- represent. So they reached out to the two of us, asking us if we would um, like to be there to attend the event. So I said yes, and. It was because of this that I met Darcy. And so we got to meet Premier Doug Ford, um, the Minister of Labour, Monty McNaughton, and do a little bit of electrical demonstration in the back. And so that's how I met Darcy. The nicest thing for me was meeting not just Darcy, but there was two other journey women there. The four of us, you know, make up a very small percentage of our hall. I think these numbers are very, you know, loose, but I think our hall only has about 1,500 to 2,000 members. And from my understanding, there's maybe only 15 to 20 women. And so to be able to meet other women that are in our hall, it was such a pleasure, you know, because you don't really see them very often.
0: Yeah, that's about 1%. So there's a long way to go there. But great to have both of you at the helm. Interesting. So let's start um, by getting into some more details about what you were doing prior to your apprenticeship and how you found out about careers in the trades and how you decided to pursue
2: an electrical apprenticeship
0: darcy can
2: you please start us off sure Um, so i was working for a number of marketing companies in the studios and i was doing part of the traffic team so basically trafficking design jobs throughout the studio And then from there, I had heard about a second career grant, which was um, through the Canadian government. But there was very specific requirements to be able to qualify for this grant. And I was able to qualify once I was working for an animation company and they had gone into receivership.
0: So Mm. from there,
2: I then had to take a contract position. And those were two of the requirements to qualify So then I was able to do a bit more research on what I really wanted to do because I had fell into a lot of my jobs. So I never really had that time after high school to just sit down and plan what I wanted to do. And when I qualified for the grant, I started looking at women in trades and just getting so inspired by reading their stories and wanting to research more on that and ended up going to a, a school here in Burlington and the guy that ran the intake for the program had asked if I wanted to do electrical and he, I kind of started researching from there and, and was interested that way. Yeah. You know, we talk about it. I relaunch how
0: people when they first get out of school, they might just fall into a career. Like you're saying, you just, you don't really know, right? You don't know that much about yourself. You see what kind of opportunities around you just kind of like take one. Yeah. And then, you know, later you have this opportunity, you know, yourself a little better. You're thinking I'm going to be a little bit more intentional and strategic about this and, and really pick something that I think that will be interesting. So sounds like you had that opportunity to do.
2: Yeah, and I, I also worked for my dad for a little bit, and it was a, a print shop, so we worked with so many different companies, so I was exposed to so many different jobs that I had no idea even existed in high school, which is, was amazing to have that opportunity. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Shannon, what about you?
1: Well, I originally went to college for child and youth work, um, and while I was in school, I started a job at a short-term loan company. Um, payday loan company I'm not sure if you have them in the states mm-hmm. and you do. You do, yeah. I graduated from college and I started working at a shelter for homeless youth and I did that for a few years and sadly that that didn't really pay well enough to take on full time and and so I did what you know you just talked with Darcy about Is I fell into that I fell into that job that permanent job um, right. that you know just fit and so um, eventually you know, I worked my way up from just a customer service rep, you know, to management and, you know, eventually to head office. And at that point, I was auditor and, and training coordinator for a payday loan company. And and I was still slowly going into debt month after month. You know, it was one of those jobs that you just you, you don't even really survive on, you know, but you survive on, you don't thrive. And for me, like I, I would like to have wants I'd like to purchase a car because of, you know, not the price tag, but because of, you know, I want that car. Um, mm-hmm. I dreamed about that car. You know, I, I just want to be able to, to live. And so mm-hmm. I, I started looking for other employment. After several months of that, um, my friend actually, he purchased a home. So my best friend, Matthew, he looked at me the next day after getting the keys and he said, Shannon, I want to rip out the kitchen. And I said, (laughs) you're absolutely nuts. Most people in my family, they start renovations and they literally take 10 years to finish the renovation. You need your kitchen, Matthew. Like, (laughs) you sure you want to do this? And we did. We pulled out the kitchen the next day, um, you know, and, and that progressed to other things in the house in the basement. It wasn't finished. And so, you know, it was, it was just cement walls. So that was, we put the framing in, we did the drywalling, you know, and that's where I did my first little plug and play lights. It's my first, you know, kind of first exposure to electrical. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of, you know, the, the pride that I got doing all these little at home tasks or, you know, these renovations and realizing that, you know, I could do this. I, you know, these things that I looked at and thought, You know, this is a man's job. (laughs) This isn't a woman's job. Mm -hmm. You know, and then I tackle it and I do it. Like the confidence and pride that you get, you know, when you can look at something and say, I built that is is it I had nothing to compare it to. And so I I thought this is this is something that I could do. This is something that I could spend eight hours a day doing. And I you know, at the time I was thirty years of age, I had more work in front of me than I than than I didn't, and so I thought it's not too late to change, you know, and so I started looking up other avenues and um, it's really hard to find a job when you're um, a really green person, green bean, have no industry experience in the trades. And so I found it really hard trying to apply for jobs, but then I came across this pre-apprenticeship program that was run through the YWCA trying to get women into the skilled trades and Mm -hmm. I applied and it, it, you know, that program is what helped transition me and give me that kind of education and support to help me get that job. And that's how
0: I'm here now. Wow. Great. And uh, Shannon, can you get into a little more detail about the, the early steps? Like are you in a classroom first and, and then they put you out in the field or do you shadow someone or how does that work? Well,
1: Darcy and I's journey is actually a little bit different. And so for me, because I did the pre-apprenticeship program, I actually am doing it a little bit opposite to what Darcy's doing. So what Darcy is going to do is Darcy's going to work for a year in the field. She's going to get that hands-on experience, and then she's going to go to basic level one. So as a, a lect- as an electrician, to become an electrician, you need three levels of education. And so she's going to go for that first level. But the way I did it is I this my pre-apprenticeship program was the basic level one. It was already that first block of school. So I did the schooling before I did the work, Um, So Mm -hmm. now I'm actually in that work stage and just going to, I'm waiting for that second level of schooling. I'm waiting to get enough hours to be able to do that. And in the meantime, I'm an apprentice. And so an apprentice means that you're in training. You're like a student and you know, you're sometimes you're alone. Obviously, you know, you eventually become competent enough to do work by yourself, but there's those really important journeymen. And those are people that are already electricians and, you know, have the experience to be able to teach and educate and, you know, kind of direct you on the path that you need to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Darcy, can you talk a little bit more about what you do on a typical day? Uh, you started in the field. Is that what, what Shannon was explaining?
2: Yeah. So I did a pre-apprentice program, which the second career grant paid for, but then I got in with the union and I started on, on the job. So I will be going to do my first block of school in 2022. So I'll have about like, I'll have two years under my belt before I go and do my, my first block of school. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a typical day. I think one of the great things about being in a trade is the variety of work. It's never the same depending on what stage of the project you're at. But I think typically starting the day with meeting with the foreman or the journeyman that you're working with to see an overall scope of what your day is going to look like. And like Shannon said, some days you're working by yourself, some days you're working with a journeyman. I was I started my first job at a school, so I was very lucky because I started at the beginning stages, so I was able to see start to finish. And then you just... Like, I was, as an apprentice, I was doing a lot of running around for for the guys that I was working with, but then also having tasks of my own, which was great, and doing cleanup and keeping everything organized. But I think it's just, I love that every day is different.
0: So, Darcy, are you saying you could be working at a school one day? You could be working at, like, a big, like... Office building skyscraper another day, or then maybe you're in a, an individual residence a different day?
2: Yeah, so you, we, with the union, I was put on a list for like I'd go on the ready to work list, and then a company puts in a call that they need apprentices or journeymen, and then you go and you can stay there for two weeks. You could be there for like I was there from January to December, so I was able to. Mm-hmm stay on quite a bit of time. Um, And then when the job's over, then you can go to another, you can bid on another call to go to. So it is, it is very different. And I, I pretty, I'm not sure Shannon, but do we have like residential people specifically? And then we would do commercial. Like I haven't done any residential.
1: So at our union hall, from my understanding, you can sign the books and do residential. But what that means is you have to commit one year to residential. You cannot switch back to the commercial work that you're doing. And the pay for residential work is less than the ICI commercial work. Mm. So you're committed to the residential, but there is a sector for us. Yes.
0: Got it. All right. Interesting. Shannon, uh, can you talk about if there's a shortage of electricians in Canada and is there uh, therefore a lot of demand? And what what kind of compensation can people expect if you go through the whole process through the apprenticeship and, and become an electrician? And how long is the apprenticeship part? So well,
1: I'm not sure if there's a shortage right now. For example, Darcy, like she just said, she's, she's sitting at home waiting for a job to open mm-hmm. up you know so if if there's a shortage i don't see it right now but what i do think is a is a bigger issue is the fact that we're not passing down knowledge so we, i talked briefly about how it's really hard to find a sponsorship find someone who's going to hire you to be an apprentice take you on take on that green person and what's really important is that you pass down that knowledge from that experienced almost ready to retire journeyman to that Mm -hmm. that person so if there is no overlap between the ready to retire and the young person then you're going to lose a lot of you know very valuable knowledge right but right now is there a shortage no because i actually think you know skilled trades people they're quite healthy they're quite fit they work into their later years and they they often take on side jobs and do things in their retirement to keep them busy so Mm -hmm. i think we're going to see a shortage. And I think that's why, you know, especially Canada, I'm not sure about the States really trying to get young people engaged and involved in the trades because, you know, we need interested people so that we can pass down knowledge, you know, that's going to shortly be lost. Mm-hmm. Now, when it talked, talk about compensation, one of the things I really love about the skilled trades is that it's, it's a structured raise process. And so when I was working in customer service or any other job, you're you're you know, one year what comes around and it's raise time. And so they sit you down and they figure out on this chart that you're gonna get a fifty cent raise. Yay! <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> oh thanks three percent. Yay! Right. Like that's not a lot, okay? And right. as an electrician, as an apprentice, you you get paid a portion of what the journeyman makes. So let's say, for example, your journeyman makes $40. Mm-hmm. As a first-year apprentice, you get 50%. So I would get, well, as an electrician, it's a little bit less, but most trades are 50%. Um, as an electrician, it's 40%, so it's like about minimum wage. But as a second-year apprentice, you go from 40% to 50%. As a third-year percent uh, apprentice, you go from 50% to 60%. So, you know, next year, your raise is going to be X amount of dollars. because it's based on the journeyman's wage at your employer. Now that normally accounts to more than 50 cents. So for example, I just went from first year to second year and it was like a $4 and 45 cent raise or something, which I've never seen in my life. So I've gone from, you know, minimum wage to now $20 an hour, which is something that I can, I can actually live off of. Um, and so the progression on how much you make is significant. Like you get a lot more, you know, each year and then, you know, overall you can make a lot more, you know, a lot of electricians, um, make anywhere from 60 to a hundred thousand dollars a year. And that's, you know, really depends on what you want to do. Most of them make on the higher end, but, you know, obviously there are some situations that are less, right. but. They pay quite
0: well. I just want to clarify, you're talking about Canadian dollars, correct? Canadian
1: dollars, yeah. I'm okay. not sure on the American. Yeah. Right.
0: Okay. I just, just for our audience, I just wanted to clarify that. Okay. Uh, very good. Thank you. Appreciate the details there. Darcy, can you please talk about the dangers of the field? And I, this is, I think, channeling some of my own fears about working at high, you know, great heights or getting electrocuted. Uh, Like, are you worried about that? And what are some of the safety precautions that are taking taken to protect electricians?
2: So uh, one of the reasons that I really wanted to get in with the union was because they're so serious about safety. And before I could actually go out onto the job, like go on the job list, I had to complete a number of uh, safety trainings. So like we had to do a working at heights, we had to do first aid. Um, Another one is lockout tagout, which is an important one. Um, But I think the ladder situation, (laughs) like you're talking about your heights. um, Mm -hmm. I think when I first started, like going up an eight foot ladder was a little bit nerve wracking, but as you do it more, you get more used to it like by the end of the job i was on i was on a 12 foot ladder and and felt okay Mm. and then we work on scissor lifts and there's all all sorts of safety like being tied off and um i think just being aware of your surroundings you have to always like you're on a construction site there's huge vehicles driving around and you just have to kind of be prepared for everything right um, one of my journeymen he told me he's like trust nobody with your life if they've told you that the power's off don't trust them make sure you're checking yourself um, and I think just I trust in my superiors the people that I'm working with and people on my job site so I I can feel safe when I go to work it's hard though when you're doing all these trainings like you you spend a day in safety training and seeing all these videos and i kind of would remember watching them like why am i doing this like there's so many Mm -hmm. dangers but Mm -hmm. then you like you just you once you're aware of it you're you're more safe on the job i think and it's it's important to do those those trainings and we have to do i think three three different levels of training and we can't get our certification unless we've completed those safety trainings
0: Got it. And I have to ask you this, just because I'm curious, what is lockout tagout?
2: So it's when you're working on like you, I would have a lock with my name on it. So if I'm working on a certain area in a school, and I want to turn the power off, there's actual locks that you would put on and you would only have the key and there would be your name and your phone number. And it just kind of says I'm working on this. And it's, Ah. it's illegal to, to cut the locks on those things. So you can feel safe if you're working in a certain area.
0: I see. Interesting. Okay. Thank you. Shannon, we we talked a little bit about the difference. I'm, I'm thinking about, like, do electricians specialize? And we already talked a little bit about residential versus commercial, but just like within commercial, are there subspecialties? Like, some people subspecialize on only working on skyscrapers or something, and others, some s- certain kind of, um, I don't know, electrical wiring and, 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 certain types of buildings, how did, how is that set up?
1: I don't know if within commercial specifically is their special specialties. I think everybody has their own special skill, you know, within our team, we have that person that, you know, can just bend conduit, You know, conduits, that metal piping that mm-hmm. they're just, they're the best, you know, you mm-hmm. know, and that person over there, they're really good at blank, right? And so you kind of just have different strengths amongst your team. Um, but there's different, definitely different areas of, you know, electricity you can go into. Hydro has, you know, nuclear, so, solar, wind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about the residential sector. You know, there's the industrial sector. You want to talk about lockout, tagout. Go to a, a steel manufacturer and you'll find lockout boxes with like 50 locks on them. Just wow. make sure everybody's safe. You know, and, and nobody can turn that power off until everybody's lock is off that. Right. And then if you wanted to be, you know, a master electrician, you could own your own com- company. So you could always take the teacher avenue and, and teach at one of your local colleges. And so there's definitely different areas you can specialize in. Um, and amongst electricians, there's different electricians. There's like linesmen, workers, Darcy and I are construction and maintenance. There is industrial electricians. And so there's different, you know, sectors that you could work in, but it's actually a whole different trade, to be honest. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Darcy, I noticed on your LinkedIn profile, you have something referencing a 309A ticket. And I wanted to know what that was. And also if you could comment on how long you are an apprentice before becoming a full fledged electrician and, you said there were these three levels. Do you have to take an exam and is it a written exam or do you have to demonstrate in the field certain competencies?
2: Um, So the 309 a ticket is like Shannon said, it's um, like our construction and maintenance. So there's two Uh, different uh, tickets you can get. There's the four, four, two, which would be an industrial electrician. I see. So with the 309 a it's, it's about 9,000 hours. So, you would write a written exam at the end, which is your CFQ, so the certification of qualification. And mm-hmm. that's when you would become an electric, like a, a journeyman. Um, so, you would have the three blocks of school. So, you have your basic, intermediate, and advanced. And that's where you would do more hands on training, or sorry, not hands on training, but you would probably have like your um, in class. Exams that way, but for your certification, it's going to be a written exam.
0: Mm-hmm. And how long does
2: it take from um, the day one until
0: you would graduate to the top level from the top level?
2: Uh, 9,000 hours, so would be about oh five years. But I, yeah, so for Ontario, that's how it works. And got it, Shannon.
0: I know that you're involved in an organization called Kick-Ass Careers, and you're an ambassador for them, and I want to know if you can tell us a little bit about that.
1: Absolutely. Um, Kick-Ass Careers is um, an organization here in Canada that advocates, educates, you know, youth people about the skilled trades, so I think it's one of those things in high school that's underrepresented, you know, not talked about enough. Often we're all forced down that college, university path into debt. Where you know nobody talks about this other avenue where you could take an apprenticeship, you know where they pay you to go to school. In Canada, your employer pays for your school. In Canada, hmm. the government pays pays you to be off work to go to school for the skilled trades. They don't do that for any other program. It's it's an organization that just tries to spread the word, and it's got a bunch of different ambassadors. So as an ambassador myself. I'm just an advocate. I just share my story. i try to hopefully mentor other people. I just hope, you know, one person maybe is inspired to maybe try it themselves. Mm-hmm. Because women are underrepresented and I think we do have a lot to offer in the skilled trades. I often say women hold up half the sky. You know, you're leaving 50% of your IQ at home when you're not including them in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we
0: work better together. So that's what kick is about. Great, and Darcy, I know you gave us a little uh, description about second the second career grant, but I just had an additional question about it. So is it for any second career? And is it after a, like, could you get it after a complete career break where you're not working at all for an extended period?
2: So the requirements that I remember when I was applying you had to have been laid off and then taken a contract position. And they say like to make ends meet. So those were the two Mm -hmm. requirements for this grant. So as long as you fell within those two, then I had to go on EI and show that I was looking for work. And then I was able to look up different careers. So there was there was a list of jobs that you could do within that and then with the trades they had just told me that so i did a pre-apprentice through a, a smaller school in burlington and one of the things that they told me when i did it was that it wasn't going to count towards my apprenticeship and mm-hmm. i had been out of school for 10 years so i was welcoming the like the extra work to kind mm-hmm. of refresh my brain and like i i had done more art stuff in school so I had never done any of my physics or my math so it was kind of a smack in the face when I went to school to do it and I just was kind of like I'm glad I'm glad that I'm going to be able to do it again because now I have that baseline Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: but with the the grant um it paid for my schooling and then it also paid for childcare and my living expenses. So it was a it was an amazing opportunity to be able to to qualify and help me get where I am today. Yeah, it does sound amazing. I don't think we have an equivalent to that
0: in the U.S. offered by the government. Uh, so. We have to wrap up now, and I want to ask both of you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? Shannon?
1: I think it's really important to, it's never too late. I kind of touched on it earlier, you know, There's a lot of years of employment ahead Mm -hmm. of most people. So, you know, I think it's really important to do what you love. And so just try different things. You never know if you're going to like it. And if you're on the ready the avenue of wanting to become a tradesperson, just be persistent. You know, dreams sometimes take time to unfold. Don't give up on, you know, that first door that doesn't open because it's really sometimes hard to get into the skilled trades, But once you do, there's just so many doors that open.
2: Great. Thank you. And Darcy? I think kind of along the same lines of what Shannon is saying is just don't give up. Like I, I did do my pre-apprentice and it was hard for me and I almost did give up, but I had someone in my life who pushed me and told me that I could do it. Mm-hmm. And just, just working hard to, to go through the steps. Cause as Shannon said, it is sometimes hard to get into the trades, but I think people don't always look at your, your test scores. Like we had to do an aptitude test and I think they, they also look at your personality and how you interact with everyone. And, and I think it's important to not get discouraged if you don't think you can do something.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, great advice from both of you and we really appreciate it. I know our audience will, and thank you for joining us today, Shannon and Darcy.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. I
0: appreciate being here with both of you. Yeah, me too. And thanks for listening to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch, and your host,